So my entire vantage point is just nothing. So I'm like, I'm immediately getting naked. Mm. So I take off all my clothes and I'm not making this up. This dude rappelled down from the side of the building, cleaning the windows. And this guy in a jumpsuit just rappels down and we make eye contact and I'm beans and sausage just dangling in the breeze and I'm like oh my god and I just like quickly turn and run away so he just watches my jiggly ass cheeks go into the bathroom trekking heavier traveling light there's one thing that's right wherever I go that's where I am Hey everybody, welcome to This Week in Zoltan. I am Zoltan. This is my podcast. I don't know why I'm starting it so official. Uh, welcome to it. Before we get cooking, I want to promote our one and only sponsor, The Safe Journal, brought to you by my wife, Emma Basiri. The Safe Journal, it, why am I coming off so... It's re- great. I'm loving it. Oh, you're keep loving going. it? All right, let me keep going. <laughs> the Safe Journal is the number one journal product you need in your life if you're brand new to journaling or if you're a professional journaler. The metrics that are set up here are perfect for reflection and growth and knowing what makes you tick, whether you're having a good day, a bad day, or if you just shove someone in front of the subway. (laughs) If you want 25% off your safe journal, type in Zoltan at checkout and you will get 25% off. (laughs) Go check it out, safejournal.co. How'd you like that? That was so good. I'm just here to impress my wife, (laughs) but also impress other sponsors because eventually we're going to have a journal and then we're going to be selling protein powder (laughs) and maybe selling blue chew and beef sticks, Mm -hmm. other things. Uh, That other voice you heard is my uh, guest this evening, but let me start off by introducing, we got Tom on the ones and twos. Thanks for being here, Tom. And we got my wife, Emma Basiri, off camera. Say hello. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> That's a good hello. And then we have a guest this week, which we don't always have, but it's my longtime buddy, happened to be in town, Mr. Johnny LaQuasto. Hey, buddy. Thanks so much for being here, buddy. Thanks for, you know, lugging me around with my suitcase and my backpack <laughs> like a vagrant. I felt so bad because you got off a cruise ship today, Yeah, which uh, I've done. They always kick you off cruise ships at the weirdest times. So mm-hmm. I was telling my mm-hmm. wife about this because she was confused. She's like, so does he have like a hotel room? And I go, no, no, no. What they do, these cruise lines are so nice. They kick you off at 9 a.m. They're like, you got to be out of here. We will burn you out of the room. Or earlier. Or earlier. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it'll be like, you got to get off at 6. And you're like, okay, well, what time is my flight? At 7 p.m. And Thank you're you. like. And you're like, oh, so I have 12 hours to kill in a city I don't live in. Mm-hmm. You're just lucky that you have 12 hours to kill in a city that's actually in America. Because I've had to do this in like Cozumel, Mexico. I've had to do this in Jamaica. I've had yeah. to do this in the Caymans. I've had to do this in Florida. Thankfully, you were there, so I got mm-hmm. to bother you. Uh, so generally, you sit around frightened for about 10 hours before you board your flight. Yes. But at least in New York, yeah, I just I, I walked a 1.4 miles uh, with my suitcase. I'm oh like, let's God. get these steps in and let's give me a workout. Let's punish myself. <laughs> and so I did. I walked around for a while until we met up and we're doing it. Thank God. You know... Every time I've done that, where you have to kill time with your luggage, you get a taste of what it's like to be first day homeless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's before the bag starts tearing up. It's before you get the sign. You get looks, too. Oh, yeah, because people are like, you're not near the airport. 
Like I once had to kill three hours at a mall in Buffalo Ooh. and I had a rolly bag and a backpack and I looked homeless going in there. I'm just sitting at a Panera bread inside a mall with a rolly bag next to me, a backpack there. It looks like it looked like my wife had just kicked me out of the house. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And I'm trying to get my life together and I'm starting with sourdough. Yeah. That's what it looked like. And there's a guy yelling, Sir, we're not giving you seconds on soup. <laughs> no, just <laughs> let's set that precedent right now. I see what you're doing. You have two hours. I don't care how... That receipt isn't from here. Yeah. That's a weathered receipt you pulled you out of the trash. One piece of sourdough. That's it. Then you got to move and go to Qdoba or whatever. <laughs> That's what it is. You just move around. When you're killing time as a comedian, you just look for a food court to kill time in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually found a tiny little coffee shop before we all met. Oh, good. Uh, and I was like, okay, found a coffee shop. It's got a high rating. I'm going to sit down. I get in there, and there is nowhere to sit. Oh, yeah. One tiny little chair next to an elevator. So I'm sitting there with my suitcase and my backpack. People are going to work in the elevator next to the car. I look like I'm about to just be on the lamb for a while like yeah. i'm just going off the grid just having one last chagachino before i <laughs> before i give up on my present day life you know what i mean but that's there, the coffee shop i chose there's a coffee shop next to our house that we love variety and it's it's a decent size like i think it sits like 30 40 people we have never been able to find a seat there. no whoa we are always on the bench outside sending death stares into the people that are over there working on their their projects with their little headphones and their Zoom meetings going, ooh, did my PDF come through? Why don't you move? We want to sit down and look at each other longingly mm -hmm. and remember why we're paying the rents we're paying to live in the city. Yeah. They're loitering is what they're doing. They're loitering with a $4 coffee, and I don't appreciate it. It's even worse when they're doing the Zoom meetings without the headphones. They're just doing oh, yeah. straight-up people volume while talking to a computer screen. How terrifying would it be if you saw someone on a Zoom meeting and then you looked at their screen and realized the computer is off <laughs> and they're just yelling at a at a black mirror image of themselves. Do you remember when we saw a DJ at the coffee shop? Yes. Doing his DJ work? There was a full-on DJ. He had headphones on, so he, it wasn't for everybody. I thought you meant Dwayne Johnson at first. Like, Dwayne, oh. yes. Yeah, no, The Rock was there with a cardboard cutout yeah. of his tequila next to him. No, the... Uh, there was a DJ. He had the 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 what's that called Bibbidi with the box? buttons? I don't know. With the you know it, his keyboard. Yeah, his keyboard. It was like a keyboard, kind of like that, where you hit the looping thing, and then you can do the other things. Was he practicing? I think he was making music. Uh -huh. He had that. He had his laptop. He had the headphones. He probably had another thing like an equalizer. Okay. And he's just over there playing Simon or whatever. Sure. And he's making the next great song that I will hate. Uh -huh. And. Uh, just over there sipping a latte, and I'm like, get out of here, dude. There's certain things you can do in a coffee shop, but playing bop it with your turntables is not really... Dude, if you're coming in and you got to take up three outlets to yeah. work at this coffee shop, I guarantee you you're not buying enough product <laughs> to account for how much energy and space you're sucking up. What if he was giving him a self-audition to try to convince the coffee shop to hire him for like a Tuesday night. <laughs> like, come on, guys. If you stay open till 8, just give me 6 to 8 p.m. Let me entertain people. Let me DJ. Yeah. Isn't that the hard... I, I was trying to think of like the hardest arts to get into. I think DJ might be tough. DJ might be tough because to get started, you do need a two-hour block at a bar. And they're not going to let you in until you bring people. So it's much like comedy where you got to drag people with you. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. the first time you're going to be able to bring like 15, 20 of your friends, family. And then after that, they're like, how much of this are we going to listen to? 
And then you got to hope people catch on on Bandcamp yeah. and then start following you around to whatever taco shop you're going to DJ at for a couple hours. It's a tough it's a tough racket. I feel like dancing is the same way. Oh, trying to be a good dancer? Like professional dancers. Yeah, yeah. Professional dance because it's a physical job. So Very now you're a professional physical. athlete mm-hmm. with a low shelf life, right? Big like time. W- low once shelf. you hit 25, 30, your knees are toast. You're like a running back. And yeah. once you hit 30, no one's signing you. You got that bald spot in the middle from doing head spins and stuff. Like mm-hmm. your hair wears out. Oh, that's a break dancer. But that's yeah, it's a, very- well, yeah, yeah. There's a different styles. There's different leagues. But also, <laughs> what is the top echelon of dancing you make it into the background of a music video is that the super bowl well i can tell you this the ship i just got off had a whole big production show called burn the floor which is all centered around dancing and i was looking at the cast on the screen i think there was one american in the whole guy everyone else is from different parts of europe and brazil and australia and like all this stuff and i discovered this apparently my cabin was next to a couple of the dancers because they complained three times throughout the cruise about the noise I was making in my cabin. What were you doing? (laughs) I was doing voiceover auditions for the most part. But the thing is, I guess they were introducing a few new dancers into the show. So they were, I guess, what, what do they call it? Preparing the show or whatever it is. They were kind of like, rehearsing at all types of odd hours so like 7 p.m one day they were like sleeping and how the hell am i supposed to know so i'm doing auditions and sometimes it's for a certain character to where like i have to sound like kind of a maniac you gotta yell yeah and i didn't know the walls were so thin on this ship so i got three phone calls over the court like those dancers were so glad to see me go oh my god guaranteed you just come out and there's just mean Russian dancers going, you make noise at 7 p.m. <laughs> he yeah. called me. For the first time he called me, he goes, hello, we next to you. I'm like, yes. He's like, um, are you, I remember he goes, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, I'm sorry, we're, we're trying to sleep. I'm like, oh, you're next to me. Yes, yes, yes. next to you. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Okay. I didn't even, I said, I'm doing voiceover. He had no idea what, what I was no, talking about. No, dude. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's not going to get it. That's the kind of stuff you run into. I remember the first time I went on a ship, I was, uh, I had, they gave me my own cabin. They set me up like this because mm. I never got this room again, but they gave me like a top a high floor with a balcony. That's a miracle. Yeah. And I just thought it was my first time. So I didn't know what to expect. I thought this was normal. And so the first morning I wake up and I'm overlooking nothing but the ocean. We had docks somewhere outside of an island. So my entire vantage point is just nothing. So I'm like, I'm immediately getting naked. Mm. So I take off all my clothes and I'm just kind of enjoying- On the balcony. Not on the balcony. I didn't go out because then maybe someone else could see me like a neighboring balcony could be like, whoa, we're (laughs) serving sausage this morning. Is that the comedian (laughs) naked on his balcony? (laughs) So I was, but I had the blinds completely open. Everything's open and I'm just naked, enjoying life. I got a good power stance, you know, hands on hips, feet shoulder width apart, showing the world my best side. Mm -hmm. And then I think like I was, I don't know, I was just standing there and I'm not making this up. This dude rappelled down from the side of the building he's cleaning the windows oh he's power washing yeah he's cleaning the windows and this guy in a jumpsuit just repels down and we make eye contact and i'm i'm (laughs) beans and sausage just dangling in the breeze and i'm like oh my god and i just like quickly turn and run away so he just watches my jiggly ass cheeks go into the bathroom and (laughs) to make matters worse it's obviously horribly embarrassing to make matters worse I there's a crew bar 
yep. where only the uh, people that work on the ship can go drink. It's down in the deck. And, and as a comedian, when you go in the crew bar, everyone stares at you like you need to get the hell yeah. out of there. You're not welcome there. No. Yeah, because you're you're a guest entertainer. These people are doing six month, yeah. nine month. They're doing hard time. Hard time. <laughs> and so, but I was invited down by the backstage crew. I'd made friends with them, and I swear I get a beer and I make eye contact with the guy who recognizes me and what's under my pants, and I recognize him, and we just look, and we, we beeline away. Oh. <laughs> we, we both didn't, me and Igor did not exchange any words. I was hoping it was one of those moments where you looked at each other and you were like, <laughs> like a classic beer commercial. Just, all right. I didn't, like, you don't expect a guy in a gray jumpsuit to rappel down no. while you're enjoying uh, the Atlantic Ocean. You're enjoying being uh, natural yeah. in nature. I've apparently I've always done this. Remember my mom brought this up, Emma, where I'm always trying to be naked. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you were. Comp she was asking you the last time we visited. She goes, "Is my son annoying? Is <laughs> is he an annoyance to be around?" And you're like, "She he makes a mess consistently," which I didn't realize. Mm. But I do like to come home and just undress as I get to the bedroom. Just drop things off along the way. Just all on the floor, like wow. shoes, bag, and then hat on the fireplace. And oh. yeah, I spread it out. Out, so it doesn't it compile the, into one in area. It looks like it's part of it's the, the same ambience. thing our twelve-year-old does. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, with but yeah, she always she's always surprised how quickly I come home and how quickly I'm just in my underwear. A walking tornado. Yes, <laughs> but apparently I've always been like this. My mom was like, "Oh, you would have liked that when you were a baby. You'd come back from a daycare, and then just slowly you were naked, mm. and then you'd be naked in the home." And that's how I am to this day. I check into a hotel. I think Eliza Schlesinger had a joke about that, where she says, within five minutes of being in the hotel, she is completely naked, which I keep yeah. my underwear on. But Segura had a bit about that years ago, where he talked about how, like, any hotel you're in, someone's balls has been on every single. <laughs> part of that hotel room that's what emma always says she goes don't touch that phone and i'm yeah. like well we're getting a late checkout <laughs> and because that's a david tell joke too which one of my favorites of his he's like you know one of my favorite road games is right before i check out of a hotel i take the phone and i rub it all over my genitals <laughs> and then the next day when i'm in a different hotel i call that room <laughs> and then whoever ha whoever answers he's like i just start laughing and then they're like what and like do you want to hear something that will never make you stop washing your face <laughs> and then it makes me wonder how many people have heard that joke and then in turn have done oh, the same thing people yeah. are maniacs i guarantee oh, horrible yeah. horrible people but yeah the, uh, you were out on a cruise ship mm. for uh too long too long yeah I, I i saw you with the rolly bag and i remembered uh what made me the envy of the other performers is i would actually jam all the clothes I needed into one big backpack. Oh. Like a, the backpack I still travel with, but I could jam, the most I could ever do was 10 days with it. Oh my God. I would wrap up, first of all, I'd be wearing the same show shirt every time, same okay. button down, one pair of jeans, and then the rest is underwear, socks, workout clothes, swim shorts, that kind of thing. But I would roll it up very tight and I could jam it in there. And the other guys I would work with, I would rarely ever work with another comedian. I'd usually be like making friends with a juggler. Magician. Or, yeah, or magician, that kind mm. of thing. Those people- Vocalist. Yeah, yeah. Those people have trunks on top of trunks on top of trunks. So when, the first time I worked with this <clears throat> juggler, Billy Prudhomme, who's a really nice guy, and we were hanging out and he had all this like, he goes, that's all you got? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> he's over there. One time we had to go through security to get onto a ship. 
and they didn't understand what a juggler was. I told you this story yesterday. And mm-hmm. they're pulling out, like, the last thing he juggles is a bowling ball, a machete, oh and, like, an egg or something. The third one's really weird. But they pull out a bowling ball and a giant machete. And they're like, what is this? And he's like, I'm a I'm- sportsman. <laughs> I'm a juggler, and they don't understand jugglers. He's, he's, he's doing this, and they're like, "We don't get." They had to call a supervisor, and then an, and then a representative from the ship, and like, "No, no, no! This guy is going to throw these things in the air for the people on the ship," and then they let him through. Similarly, back uh, in March, when I was in the Middle East with uh, the Armed Forces Entertainment thing, I, I did the pro wrestling tour. Yeah, so it was like me and a bunch of like ex WWE like legends, you know. And a couple of them brought their titles because, you know, the soldiers love it for the photo ops. Like Big championship belts. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, like, D'Lo Brown bought, brought his European title. Ah. Scotty Tuhati brought one of his tag titles. Um, Victoria brought her women's championship. And trying to get, I remember we got to Egypt, trying to get these through security <laughs> at the Egypt airport was so hilarious because it's this heavy thing and they pull it out they're like what what is what is this and they're like it's it's mine i'm a i'm a wrestler wrestler they're like no you can't we we keep we keep and they're like no no you can't keep oh yeah and then finally i think it was like d-low or someone was smart enough to go john cena they go oh john cena (laughs) and they let us through with the titles That was it. And so the whole rest of the tour, anytime we had to bring a title through one of the airports, Scott, I remember Scotty at one point goes, John Cena. They go, oh, John Cena. And they let John Cena. bring the titles through. It was amazing. I Have they tried? Oh, my God. Mm. I think John Cena should just be brought up during every international conflict. Yeah. And to see if it would diffuse the situation. Go it's, to it's Ukraine like and Russia. Everyone John loves C- The Rock. Everyone yeah. loves John Cena. Wow. Next time we travel, if there's ever an issue with one, I'm like, John Cena? That'll be my last resort, just yelling out John Cena. And then as they let you by, just go. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see me. That was oh, incredible. man. I wonder if John Cena knows how many times his name has been dropped at International Customs so that some wrestler could bring through a bulletproof vest or a championship belt or brass knuckles or Look, whatever. And any wrestlers watching this, that's all you have to say. <laughs> if you're ever hung up. John Cena. Yeah. When uh, I didn't even bring this up, but one of the, on top of being a comedian, uh, which you're incredibly talented at, you're also a, uh, no, you are, a great uh, special on YouTube and Dry Bar Comedy came out this year. It did. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with it, but it's on there somewhere. Yeah. The, uh, Dry Bar will definitely soon put it on YouTube. Okay. But right now it's on their streaming platform, so you have to go watch it there. Got it. Um, but then your YouTube one, Saudi Stepdad, yeah. is up now. Em and I watched it. Absolutely hilarious. Hilarious. Go, go give it some views uh, and, uh, and give this man follow but on top of the stand-up stuff you work in the world of professional wrestling as a uh, as a ring announcer and play-by-play guy yeah and then also mma and boxing as a cage announcer and then of course play-by-play too just anything where there's either simulated or actual fighting i tend to be yelling about it somewhere <laughs> how do you how do you because you you much like me you grew up a wrestling fan oh yeah how did you how do you like because that's one of the things Kind of like getting into the world of stand-up where people that don't do stand-up but maybe are a fan of it, they're like, how do you go about getting into stand-up? And it's like, well, you just go to an open mic and you eventually just keep going. How do you get into the world of wrestling? I 
didn't think it was actually it was one of those things where like as I became an adult I was still I still loved wrestling but I didn't think it was like really possible because I knew I didn't want to be a wrestler I knew I, I wasn't the athlete that you would need to be and being a physical therapist I was like I don't want to put my body through that you know what I mean your business card must be so long it's it's, it's comedian yeah pro wrestling announcer receipt yeah it's <laughs> a physical therapist voiceover you're a jack of all trades so yeah like you didn't want to do the in-ring stuff no but like I, I ever since I was seven years old I would always tell people like I'm gonna be a sports commentator I, it's just something I've wanted to do I'd watch like you know Harry Callis with the Phillies or like Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan from WWF and all that stuff but then as I got older, you know, kid in Pennsylvania, you just kind of like, you start becoming just a regular person. Right. And you have to figure out what you want to do after high school. And I was like, well, my mom and dad are nurses. I like being with people. I like sports. I'm like, oh, I'll do physical therapy. So I did. And then once you're in like physical therapy school, you're so engrossed in that. You can't think about anything else. Right. And then once I started stand up, I'm like, oh, stand up's awesome. And then I'm still watching wrestling still, but I, it just didn't register in my brain. Like, well, why don't you try and then eventually a, a position got presented to me and then through like people you met doing comedy that hosting. were involved with wrestling on, on camera hosting the camera guy at this one project i was working on him and i were talking about wrestling i didn't know that he knew this guy david marquez who is the head of the united wrestling network okay he happened to be starting a weekly television show the camera guy was like you should have this guy come in to do interviews and that's kind of how it started back in 2010. Wow. And then one thing leads to another. Never thought WWE was ever going to be a possibility at all. You made it to the show, dude. Made it to the show and then got pandemicked. <laughs> well, <laughs> and here hey, we are. Hey, dude, your journey's not over. I'm sure you'll get another crack at it. But that's that's amazing to be around uh, interviewing guys and, and all that sort of thing. I remember growing up watching wrestling, I think... The main thing my mom would bring up is like anytime they would do promos and two guys are like looking at each other and saying mean things to each other. My mom would come by. How do they not laugh? How do they not just start laughing at each <laughs> other? It's true. so ridiculous. And has there ever been a moment? I mean, I, you know, when it's if it's taped, you can take a million takes, right? Until you get it right. But a lot of the stuff in wrestling is done live in mm. the moment. And there you are. Maybe you're interviewing two guys or maybe just one person. Is there ever a moment where you've almost started breaking up, started laughing? So many. <laughs> what do you do? You bite your tongue. You bite your cheek. You almost have a stroke. <laughs> trying to keep yourself under control. Because you don't want to be the reason that a promo take doesn't work. Right. You know, you want it to be their fault. Definitely yeah. not yours. No. Yeah. If you're if it if you're the interviewer, you are the least important point at least important part of the interview. If the interview is not good because of you, that's horrible. The year the shits. Yeah. That's bad, bad, bad. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember like early on, I would do a lot of promos with uh, Adam Pierce, who now is on WWE every single week as one of the authority figures, legendary wrestler as well. Him and I just had a great rapport. Like yeah. he's, cause he's this big brooding, you know, he's a serious guy, but goddamn, he's really funny. Yeah. And we did this one uh, promo where, um, somehow he's a Packers fan somehow like while I'm interviewing him he ends up putting his new t-shirt on top of my chest he starts selling his t-shirt and then takes a Packers cheese head and puts the cheese head on top of me <laughs> while he's talking about himself and I'm just like trying to hold all this stuff and be professional yeah <laughs> so that was one and then there's a uh, 
Another tag team. One of the only times I ever almost broke in WWE was uh, there's a tag team called the Grizzled Young Veterans. They just got released, and now they're crushing it on the independent scene. Mm-hmm. Incredible tag team. I remember team. them. Yeah, I they're remember great. watching them. Yeah, I really enjoyed their stuff. But they're really like angry Brits. Yeah. And they, they're just especially this guy, Zach Gibson, he's got such a biting tongue. He can tear you down and make everybody hate him. He's so good. And we're in the middle of doing an interview and Zach did all the talking, but his partner, uh, James uh, Drake, was kind of the silent one, but he would do all the mannerisms. And their, their closeout was, uh, you know, they would always say, grizzled, young, veterans. <laughs> and so as Zach is saying it, I just happen to glance over, because I'm in the middle of him, I happen to glance over at James, and on the word young, he gets in my face and goes, young. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, my God. Killed me. Killed me. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. like, in comedy, there's no... I mean, unless someone's doing like a real character that they could break out of, like a Jezelnik who's doing like a character. Is he? A, I mean, I guess he's doing he's a, a character. character, but like he can also sometimes he'll say a joke where it kind of breaks him. Really? And it, I've noticed on some of his uh, some of his specials, like he's oh. doing something and he'll smile sometimes after he says something. But sometimes it will get him to another level and he'll be like. He, he, I remember once I was watching a joke of his, and he had to kind of turn off. He's like, oh, man, I'm still trying to like be here in this moment. But it's also still comedy. So the point mm. is to laugh. And so you can still break, and it's fine. I also love the comics that ne- are so fucking dry and never smile. Yes. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Never never break. Always just straight ahead. Like a, a, a Stuart Lee from the UK. I don't know if you watched any of him, but he's just so dry, so dead. Even David Tell, though, he's not. Yeah. He never laughs at his own stuff. It's just his delivery is loud. Yes, but he always kind of keeps a straight face. He almost kind of. Mm. I think some of the charm in David Tell is he almost looks like he doesn't enjoy what he's doing. Oh yeah, he's very quick, very rapid fire, but he almost looks like he wants to leave. Mm. But he's like, I. They won't let me leave yet, so I guess I gotta keep talking. Yeah. And then he, I don't know. That's kind of the charm that he brings to the to the stage. Um, but yeah, wrestling voiceover. And then I think you and I met around the same time. Maybe you started before me. I remember a message uh, I got from you when I was a part of the boy band of comedy. Whoa. Back in two thousand six, because we had just started putting on shows. Did, Emma, did you know this existed? I don't think so. So there was it was me and four other comedians that had got started in San Diego, and we decided to like group up because like no one would book us because uh-huh. we were super young and not that good, but like we were okay. The boy band yeah. of comedy. Who was in the boy band of comedy? People that don't do comedy anymore. Well, but, okay, but I think you'll remember some of them: Kyle Smith, Amadeus Tafoya. Uh, you remember Amadeus? That's a name from the past. I do. Yeah, he was. He was probably the f- him and Kyle. I think were the funniest ones in the group. Well, no, Kyle's doing great. He's got a family and such. He's, he's a lawyer. He's doing yeah. wonderful. Uh, Stuart Swanson was also probably. He was like he was the most avant garde like uh, alternative, but super hilarious. Amadeus was probably the most. Amadeus and Kyle were probably the most polished. Mm. And then Brandon McPherson also had a lot of character. And me, I was just lost and didn't know how to be funny yet. So I was like actually by far the weakest in the group, but I think they liked me enough. You were like, so I was part of it. I don't know. I was trying to pick a name from a boy band. That was, I was, uh, you were the AJ McLean. I was Howie. 
oh, from Backstreet Boys, where you're like, sorry. oh yeah, yeah. AJ was the bad boy. Sorry, I, yeah, I forget. Yeah, AJ had an angle. Yeah. Uh, right. The other guy had a bad heart. The other guy was the yes. younger brother of the guy with the bad heart. Yeah, yeah. The other guy was the tall, sexy one. And they all kind of look good. And then Howie was just like... There. Yeah, Howie was like, someone's got to bring the like, luggage. I, you I, know? Got, I did the audition, and here I am! Yeah. Like, so Howie from Backstreet Boys, and then the guy with the dreads from NSYNC, where you're like, how'd you get into this? How many were in NSYNC? Four or five? Five in NSYNC. Were you an NSYNC fan? I was, but I don't remember anything. Good. Oh, you don't remember? Remember thing. the guy with the dreads? He would, it would mm. come out from the top, and it would come down. Well, kind of looked like he was the singer from Counting Crows. Someone's around here. Uh, <laughs> let's go through it. Insane was JT, right? Timberlake. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guy that was supposed to be the leader, but once the band broke up, he ended up being, it didn't work out. Who was J JC? JC Chazé. He was in sync. Also in sync. Okay. Uh, should I be Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone was the character. He Lance was like Bass. The, Lance Bass. Who's number five? The guy with the dreads. Chris Kirkpatrick. Hey! Chris Kirkpatrick. There you, you can go. get your ass kicked. <laughs> On these, oh yeah, Eminem remember Eminem? That was an Eminem <laughs> lyric. <laughs> Chris, Bro yeah, it was on uh, Shady's back or whatever. He, um, yeah, he talked talked a lot of smack. He talked about Limp Biscuit. Yes, he talked about um, Christina Aguilera giving him uh, yeah. fellatio. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of sexual. Uh, she was very upset about that. Things you can't definitely not say now. Eminem still probably would. He probably would, but he would say he would word it differently. It's like yeah. uh, sliding into the DMs or something. But um, but I was that in that group. So anyway, we were putting on shows in San Diego, boy band of comedy. It was wow. like our way. And one day, like I got a we got a Facebook or a MySpace message in our group page from a Johnny LaCrosse oh going, "Hey, God. can I do a few minutes on your set?" And that was the first time. Uh, Did I do it? I don't think we had room because oh. there's five of us. Yeah. That was the problem. It's too much like, heat. There was no room. Too much <laughs> sex. Yeah, because we'd already have it. We'd have to get a headliner because none of us could headline. <laughs> so we were just like five openers doing six or seven minutes oh. and then a headliner. So oh, and by no, the way, I was still very, very new. So I was. Insane. That's what I was going to ask. I think we got started at the same time. Like yeah, around, my first set was in 2005. Yeah, 06. So, so yeah. yeah, around the same time. And uh, and then slowly, and then I moved to Orange County, and I would see you around a lot of shows, like you and Nee Miller and uh, Robbie Pickard sure. back in the day. Like Yak. that whole... Yak Manrique. You know he works for Meta now? I know. He works for Facebook. Okay. Last year, I did a stand-up set in the Metaverse. So I got to bomb in a whole new realm. It was great. Wait and a minute, uh, Brent Terhune did that as well. Maybe. Yeah, he, I, th I think he, he was flew part out of to California for it, and he said it was super weird. Yeah, I think it was the same thing. Very weird. And then I walk in to do the recording, and there's Yak. Get out of here. And I'm like, what? And he's like, him. yeah. I work. He he got into improv, and somehow that led to yeah. a job at Meta, and he's there, so he's doing great. Awesome. And uh, but yeah, so we met we met a long time ago, and then I just remember watching you would always get these great hosting gigs mm. and then i love how that led to wrestling and then from there on you know i, I feel like the last 13 i don't know time flies way too fast of course and i've is your memory good i feel like i i, I talk to friends and like i hear We're about to find out if my memory is good <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah well no it's just i you hear people talk on their podcasts like i remember this specific memory in every single detail and i'm like what happened to my brain i don't remember any of it <laughs> It's very alarming to me. I I can relate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Emma's Emma's got uh, the short term or long term memory <laughs> loss. Sometimes you remember things that I definitely don't, 
yeah. then a lot of times I'll be like, I just, we watched the entire movie and you said you <laughs> yeah. loved it. And you're like, I've never seen that movie a day in my life. And we're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Selective memory. Selective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the things you really enjoy. You yeah. remember. Mm -hmm. And then the other things like, yeah, remember I, I, I said, I love you under the bridge. You're like, we've never been under that bridge. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's, we do the same thing. Yeah. We're like, she'll be like, how many, you, you knew about this three times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> <laughs> too much like had, on the brain. She had glasses on the other night on a FaceTime call, and I'm like, why are you wearing fake glasses? She's like, babe, these are my real glasses. I wear them sometimes. I'm like, when have, did you have glasses? Oh, my God. What are you talking about? I have, I am nearsighted. And then I she need... goes, you were in the store with me when we got the glasses. I was oh, like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> That's always bad. So you guys, you don't have the best memory as far as like all the like different, because I don't, yeah. I just, I don't have like a specific memory other than you and I have just been a part of a lot of projects. That's how I am with, with most comics. I don't yeah. remember when I meet people for the first time. I don't remember so many shows that I've done. Like yeah. I see a flyer and I'm like, I guess I did. I'm, I'm sure I was on that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, do you remember? I think you were part of the Tim Chismar oh, no. Championship Wrestling sure was. Extreme Champ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one where I think I've told the story on the podcast, but Rob Van Dam hit me in the face with a chair. I didn't know that. Gave me a concussion. Yeah. I don't believe I was on that show. <laughs> no, you, no, they had two nights of tapings. You oh. weren't at that night of taping because I remember Earl Skakel was on the following night and he's like, he messaged me. He's like, I heard you got hit. Why did you get hit with a chair? I, they lied to me. Uh -huh. They they said uh, initially Tim messaged me. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna have you like get beat up by the wrestlers." And I was like, "Well, I don't want to like, get hurt." And he's like, "No, no, we're gonna throw you off camera, and then ju you just make noises, and there's gonna be a rose such a clatter, Fair enough. Uh, you know that kind of thing." I'm like, "Oh, that's fun, and I'll get to meet all these heroes of mine from my childhood." And then I went in, and uh, Rob Van Dam and Sabu and Sandman walk in. Which, if you don't know those names. Uh, Dangerous individuals. Dangerous. One of them, he's known as the homicidal, suicidal, yes. genocidal maniac Sabu. That's his nick. That's on his business card. Yeah. And the other guy uses Singapore canes as toothpicks. Yes, and is never sober. Mm -mm. And but they walked in, and the first one of the first things they said, they said, "Who's going through the table?" Oh no! And Tim Chismore pointed at me, and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh we didn't talk about. And but I was also young. I was twenty. So I didn't know how to like stand up for myself, and so I went along with it. I don't. So, I don't like talking shit on people, but I'm not shocked at all that Chismar pulled that. Yeah, and that, I, not shocked at all. Yeah, and I, you know, I still, you know, I still consider him a friend. But yeah, and uh, and I remember they didn't say much to me other than we're gonna jump on stage while you're doing your set. I'm gonna hit you with the chair, and then we're gonna put you through a table. And they didn't give me any. Oh my god! And they didn't give me any like no training. No, you you can't just go through a table without learning how to. Do it. You're gonna get whiplash at the very least. No, yeah, I. Uh, it was bad. So he said he was gonna throw it in my face. And then, long story short, right before I go on stage, I'm like, they haven't said anything to me. So I went up to Rob, who was high as a kite. I remember looking in his eyes; his pupils were this big. Sure. And I was like, hey man, when you throw that chair in my face, should I like try to put a hand up and slow it down? He goes, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, all right. And then, so now I'm on stage. They show up. And he threw it so fast. What kind of chair was it? To, it was a metal one. It was. A, they went to Home Depot and got a table and a folding chair. Like old school, go yeah. to a church metal chair. Yeah, no padding, just oh. a folding chair that they use in wrestling all the wow. time. And he threw this thing at me so fast, I didn't have time to get my hand up. 
it hit me so hard, snot flew out of my nose, and, and I was, wasn't sick. Was was this in the <laughs> middle of your set? Yes. So the, the whole f- point was, it was like an extreme gong show where I would me. The first comic was supposed to bomb. They chased him off. They didn't assault him. The second comic was me. I was supposed to bomb. And then they were supposed to scare me off. But here's the problem. I went into business for myself. Yeah, there you go. I, I didn't want to bomb because I'm like, I'm good at comedy. I'm yeah. not going to bomb. And I didn't tell anyone I was going to do this. So I ended up doing my best jokes and I was doing well. And so when they came up to kick me off, the audience was like, what? We like him. Like, because they didn't like the first guy. So they weren't upset that they scared him off. But they're like, he's doing good. We like him. No. You baby face. You pulled yeah. a Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> I pulled a Mrs. Maisel. I went into business for myself. And then. Uh, was Alien Warrior on this show? Yes. Oh, alien Warrior was probably after me. It was a guy in a giant alien costume. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they threw the chair in my face, knocked the snot out of me. There's a white flash. Oh, my God. Knocked the snot out of me. And I was not sick. So this came from deep within my nasal cavity. Yeah, your sinuses just got yeah. emptied. And I just remember being on the ground. There's boogers everywhere. Like, it <laughs> looked like I had gack all over my hands. I was like, whoa. And then Rob Van Dam grabs me by the head, and he goes, are you all right? And I was trying to say no, and, but I couldn't. I was, like, thinking. I was like, I guess. And then he lays me on the table, and I'm just laying there. And then he picks Sabu up no. and drops. They, he leg drops me through it. So the back of Sabu's leg hits me in the face, and then we just crumble You got through. double concussed. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I was, I remember I was so confused. I tried to get up and then Sabu's like, stay down. And I was like, ah, so I just lay there. And then this third guy, I don't know who this third guy was, but he had a giant gong. He comes by my head and goes, dong. <laughs> just to, they were doing a hospitalization <laughs> angle on yeah. you. And I was like, I could have gone without the gong. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to do the, it wasn't the chair and the table. Oh my God. Bong. You, are, you already have bells going off <laughs> yeah. in your head like a cartoon and then bang. Yeah. And then now oh I, like, I stumble into the green room. And I've never, I've, I think I had a concussion before in high school playing football, but not to this extent. Because I remember my eyes felt bloodshot. I had a headache, and I was irritable, and I was feeling a little sleepy and groggy. Were you, uh, you probably like, what happened after the show? Did, after the show, well, so that happened early in the show. So the rest of the time, I'm just like in the green room, on the couch, yeah, kind of watching the show. And then Sabu came and talked to me. Like he, he was laughing. This is the first time he talked to me all day. By the way, he comes by and he's laughing, and I go, uh, he's like, whose boogers were those? And I was like, those were mine. And he goes, <laughs> I knew Rob was going to hit you that hard. And I was like, hilarious. That's so it, mean. Yeah, but he he meant it in a, this is going to sound weird. He meant it in a camaraderie kind right. of way. Because before he didn't talk to me all day. And then now he's actually talking to me because they hurt me. Mm-hmm. And he was like opening up to me and he's like a little bit. Right. And you got to imagine if you don't know who Sabu is, he's covered in scars. Yeah. And he's, he's, he has trouble walking now. He looks like Randy the Ram Robinson from the movie The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting next to me. He goes, Hey, man, after the show, uh, we're going to be at the hotel. And then he pantomimes taking drugs and snorting. Ah. And he, he's like, If you want to come by, you're more than welcome. And Meanwhile, was, you were like, Wait, you mean you have nasal spray for me? Because. <laughs> Pretty sure I need some kind of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Do you have Advil? Yeah. Is is snorting Advil the best way to cure a concussion? And I just remember having this moment of like, man, these were like my wrestling heroes I used to watch in middle school. And now he's he, they gave me a concussion. Now they're offering to do drugs with me at the Hampton Inn. Mm. And I just remember saying, yeah, I'll be there. And then I just left. And then Did you I, drive home? 
No, I, I did drive to my buddy's house who lived nearby. This was at the Ontario Improv. Okay. And I had a buddy that lived nearby, thankfully, and I slept on his couch, which I don't think you're supposed to go to sleep after yeah, a concussion. Someone's supposed to wake you up like every two hours or something. Yeah, we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I went over there and drank some beers with him and fell asleep. Okay. And so, but I didn't know that was a concussion. Now looking back at it, I'm like, oh, that was a concussion. I was irritable, eyes bloodshot. There was a white flash, had a headache. Oh, the white flash and the snot, that's yes. telltale. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. And the irritable and the bloodshot eyes and the headache, I think, also add to it. So, Do you remember how the table felt? Yeah. So, you know what the worst part of the table thing was? Was the back of his leg hitting my nose hurt a lot. I thought he broke my nose, but it was fine. Was my legs were dangling off the edge of the table. Oh, no. So, the way it broke, the back of the table clipped my, my calf Mm-hmm. And so I had this horrible, like, not a gash, but like a really gnarly scrape on my uh, on my calf from the thing. And that, well, the head thing hurt the most, but the calf thing and it actually a, bothered me more long term. Was it a pre-cut table or you have no idea? No, it, it wasn't pre-cut, but they took the supports out of it. Okay. Because I remember I was walking around nervous and I looked into the back and Sandman had a screwdriver and he's taking the screws out of the table. Yeah. And I remember I was so nervous and just kind of bumbling around. I just remember, I, for some dumb reason, I turned to him. I'm like, hey, thanks for doing that. And then he looks at me and he goes, I'm not doing this for you. I don't know who the hell you are. I don't care about you. I'm doing this for Rob and Sabu. And he was drunk, by the way. And he's also a big, scary guy covered in tattoos and scars. And I went, Okay, and then I sheepishly ran out of that back alley area that the Irvine, the sure. Ontario one oh, yeah, yeah. has. But so yeah, it wasn't a pre-cut table, but they took the screws out of it. Yeah. Did you ever ask why me? Like, why was I booked to be murdered? Uh, yeah, in this comedy show, I don't know. It's so funny because in comedy, you. This is why I don't tell people now the projects I have coming up. Yeah, because when I was young, mm. I would always so be so excited. I would tell my friends. I remember before that, I told my friends, my mom, I'm like, oh, they're shooting this TV show idea with these pro wrestlers and comedians. This could be something. This could be on like TV mm-hmm. or something. This is so exciting. And then it ended up being a concussion. And so like slowly- <laughs> I'm going to guess co- they didn't, you didn't get paid. No, no. paid. No, I, oh, drove, no, I drove two hours to get my head beat in and yep. then I left. Um, but like so many of versions of that happen throughout your comedy career that eventually you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to stop telling people what I'm working on because this might be a complete failure and it might be embarrassing for me and might give me a head injury. So I just keep things private until they come out and they go, that's why I never told anyone I moved to New York. Because like, what happens if Emma and I move out here and we're just eaten by rats? You know, I don't want that embarrassment on our family's names. So we're just like, we hey, just won't. You hop on the wrong uh, train and you end up in New Jersey. You don't know where you're going. Yeah. Now we <laughs> now we live in Hoboken. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't want to. So I always like those kind of experiences early in comedy have kept it taught me to keep my mouth shut. Oh yeah. Until things are really concrete and actually happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think you have. I don't think you have a bit about this, but you should. About the wrestling? Oh, my God. Just that entire night is something that nobody else as a comic can say. It's kind of unbelievable dude it's yeah. such a that's such a great story you i mean you could turn you got to turn that into something i mean people yeah need to hear it that's insane just the fact that 
championship uh, comedy, whatever the heck it was called, yeah. that a bunch of us were all involved in. Just it's it's an outlandish idea to begin with, right? And then it actually did kind of happen for a little while. But the fact that you were chosen at twenty years old, yeah, to be assaulted, <laughs> little cherub Zoltan who didn't sign anything, <laughs> didn't know no. any better, thought he was just gonna do a set. Then he's told, hey, you're you have to bomb. Then you're going to get a chair in your face. Yeah. Then you're going to go through a table on a leg drop. Yeah. And then you're going to have the option to do drugs at a hotel. Yeah, like, with Sabu. And you're like, well, you know. That's that's like the... It's that. a good story now. Because, mm. uh, you know, being a wrestling fan, I was so excited just to be in the same room with these guys. I was like, whoa, they're really there. Mm. And then the more you get to know them, the more you realize the stuff they did on TV wasn't that far of a stretch of who they are oh. in real life you're like oh you're just being a version of yourself you know <laughs> that's that's who you are yeah uh so it was a great experience but i'm glad it's over and never doing that again no and uh <laughs> I, I just say I, i'm not exactly surprised that happened no no mm-hmm. i mean you're involved with you get to i feel like now the wrestlers especially our generation or i guess the next generation after us however it works out they seem more normal Mm-hmm. Like they're less insane. There's less drugs. There's less alcohol. Mm-hmm. They're more into like fitness. Maybe they just play video games. Gaming. Love. They love gaming. Yeah, and they're like they're not insane people to deal with. Is that kind of the truth? I mean, look, there's always going to be a little bit of everything. But yeah, yeah, for the most part, this generation I think has learned from the previous generations to where yeah, everyone is for the most part. Well, here's the thing: they're a lot healthier outside the ring, but and obviously ECW they did a lot of dangerous stuff. But I do feel that this generation is still taking way too many unnecessary risks just to try to go viral with a clip right? or to try to get a massive pop in front of the crowd. Just like comedy. Yeah. yeah. Which, when it comes well, I mean, obviously it, less physical, yeah, well. but doing something out there that may not necessarily make sense yeah. or just do something outlandish to get some eyeballs on you for that moment. Yeah, and, and this is also the physical therapist in me talking. Like, yeah. I, to me, storytelling's way more important than doing some crazy leap at the Mall of America off of a balcony. <laughs> into oh my a God, room. I saw I that. Did you see that clip? <sighs> they they set up a ring at the Mall of America, which it's not the first time they've done a wrestling show there, but this was definitely a small wrestling show. And this guy jumped off a balcony up in the mall and all the way down into the ring, how, like 25 feet. Oh, yeah. And what do you think he got paid? 20 bucks? Good question. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> not enough. Yeah. Even if it was $300, that's not enough to yeah. jump out of a balcony. I need all the money. Wasn't there a guy that like fake crashed a plane or something? Oof. Oh, the YouTuber. Yeah. Yeah. He purposely crashed a plane yeah. for his YouTube video. He's a pilot. And he set up a, a GoPro and he purposely crashed his little Cessna into the side of a mountain to make a YouTube video. And the FAA, like, obviously suspended his license. How the hell did he survive that? He, somehow he survived. Because that's how my he cousin died. Out, <laughs> Is that right? A yeah. Cessna airplane crash? If you Google Al LaQuasto, he was actually a race car driver. He was, like, famous in our family and famous back on, on the East Coast. Uh, he raced in the Indy 500 for a couple of years. Whoa. And uh, on my 11th birthday, him and his buddy were in their Cessna. They were just going to fly from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. And the wind was so bad that day, the wind ripped the wings off. Oh, my uh, God. And they crashed the Cessna. Oh, Gee, my God. That's horrible. I'm sorry, man. No. Dude, that's no, a it's... horrible... Mm. Man. But, but I'm just saying the Cessnas are... N- They're small planes. Tiny They're planes. small little planes. They're two-seaters. They're the like a Miata of planes. Yes. Yeah. And not that... 
any plane crash is survivable, but especially such a little one. And I don't know, somehow this man survived. He jumped you, out. Oh, he jumped out and parachuted? Well, how do you follow up a plane crash? Like, what's what do the you next think you're going to be, Mr. Beast? <laughs> and then you're like, well, first I crashed the plane, and now a thousand children will now be able to see because I'm going to take an eye surgeon to Uganda or wherever and zap their eyes with lasers or whatever he did. Yeah. And it, I don't know what the game plan is, but the guy lost his pilot license. I think he got arrested too because it's also, I think, illegal mm -hmm. to purposely crash uh, an airplane, I which mean, I'm, I'm glad it is. I'm not I'm a glad stickler, but I guess that's one I'd agree with. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if the FAA was like, we're like they don't have a rule in their rule book because they're like, well, we'd assume you'd be dead yeah. if this happened. But since you're alive and you did this on purpose, we have to prosecute. We have to go after you and you have to go to prison for some time. Dude, and going back to the wrestling thing, I think part of the reason is, and some wrestlers might get mad at me for this or whatever, but I think part of the reason that, that wrestlers are taking so many crazy risks right now, yeah. part of it is it's just the viral nature of things now, the social media, but also... I think for a lot of people, it's so much harder to look deep inside your personality and figure out who you are and how you can connect with wrestling fans on a personal level to where it's so much harder to do that than it is just to do something crazy mm -hmm. with your body. That's, that's, true. that's my honest opinion as a play-by-play -play guy. I mean, I mean, and so it's much of it is- less vulnerable. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that is so relatable to stand-up comedy in the sense where it's like, Going on stage and writing good material or writing a good bit is kind of overrun by, listen, there's really good crowd work out there, but a majority of it is trash. And it's just someone looking at you like, hey, your face is pretty fat and disfigured. Let's talk about that. And you're like, that's how you're going to, instead of just like writing good material, you're going to do something cheap and just to get the clicks. And there's no knock on the guys that do it at a really high level. Sure. The Stavros is the Ian Bags. Oh, Ian's a legend. Uh, but, but, yeah. but Ian is also very structured in a brilliant way, though. Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah. For, he's been doing it, what, 25 years at this point? Maybe yeah. maybe longer. But uh, there's guys that do it right. And I'm not picking, I'm not knocking them. I'm talking about everybody else. That in lieu of writing a good joke, in lieu of getting a personality that connects with the audience, they're like, let me shock them and do something out of out of left field. It's funny you brought that up because I was talking to a couple of friends recently about this who aren't in comedy, but they're mm -hmm. like, I love the crowd work clips. And I was like, you yeah. do know crowd work is literally the easiest part of stand-up comedy, right? Yeah. They're like, what? It's just, it looks so hard. I'm like, no, it's not. Because number one, most of the time, if you get a heckler, they will do all the work for you yeah. to where all you really have to do is repeat whatever they said, come up with one little witty thing, and guess what? You have a great crowd work clip. Yes. To me, and I'm not, look, comics can do whatever the heck they want to do. Of course. Crowd work is the easiest part of stand-up comedy without question. Yes. It, it is... I, I think it's easy for me when it comes organically. Mm -hmm. Like if I went up there and was like, it reminds me of that episode of Louie. Because I don't know if you remember this episode of Louie, but he his niece, he has a teenage niece that he has to watch in New York for the weekend. And she's a teenager and they're not meshing well. Mm. And she's like kind of standoffish. She thinks he's lame. And then she one night goes, you know, Uncle Louie, I want to see you go do stand up. And he's like, oh. And he's like, oh, maybe this is a way for me to connect with my niece. So 
uh, he takes her to like the cellar or something. And he's going on next, and the comic on before is Godfrey, and he's doing all crowd work. Godfrey's great at it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. destroying. And she's laughing. The niece is laughing, and, and Louis kind of offended because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you know, crowd work's pretty easy. And like, it's it's not that original. And then the niece is like, I think it's funny. <laughs> and then so he goes on, and instead of trying to do his material, he goes up there. He's like, so we're... Where are you from? <laughs> and it goes horrible. Yeah. It goes really bad. And then his niece is like all disappointed. <laughs> and so I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there's always an easy way and a hard way to do any aspect of it. Yeah. You know, like there's an easy way to do stand up too, where you can pick topics that you know people will connect with, but have been tread upon a lot. And yeah. the same with crowd work. There's a way to do easy crowd work where, you know, it's not that original. Things have definitely been said before, but now you have a younger audience that hasn't heard these lines and they're like, this is groundbreaking opinions mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like, no, that, that line's been around for There's minimum a lot of 30 years. that you could use with crowd work. Like, to me, that's where it's like t- personal stuff to me is still my favorite thing about stand-up because it's, yes. it's what can make you stand out. It's what makes you different from, especially at a time when there's never been more comedians, this is the time to stand oh out God. by by so sharing your unique story, which you have. Yeah. Recently married. Mm-hmm. Now you are you went from being a single guy with no kids. Big old child. Big child. Big and child. now you're a husband with three? Yes. Three stepkids. Yeah, and not only big child, I was working in professional wrestling and comedy. Like, there, yeah. I could not be living a more <laughs> immature life. Like, my entire life was make-believe. It really was. And now, it's too real. So, it's like... It's like if Willy Wonka got married yeah. into a family, and now he's like a stepdad of three, and you're like, dude, you gotta stay home more. You can't just be hanging out with the Oompa Loompas I all I gotta day. be at the factory! <laughs> Can't that's trust that fat kid. He's going to fall back in. That's not our real job, Willie. You get in here and there's golden tickets. <laughs> you don't get it. It must be. It must have been such a, uh, uh, I mean, obviously a big change. Oh, yeah. But to have like younger people looking at you in the house going, oh, you're one of the people in charge. And then trying to like obviously integrate yourself into a family that had um, had a hierarchy. You know, with them all, your wife, the the mom, the matriarch, the and the, the runner is, of the family. Now we got this new guy in here, and how does he work? In? And she's such an incredible mom. Like she did such a crazy good job. Like the kids are all amazing. But it's it's been so hard. It's been over three years now, and I'm still I'm still finally just now kind of learning how to be myself in the house. Yeah. Whereas for the longest time, I just felt like because I was by myself for so long. Yeah. But then it's just like I just I immediately felt suffocated due to no one's fault i'm just like i don't know what it's like to be around other people i don't know i can't just can i yell my random stupid stuff that i like to yell can i sing my random song lyrics that no one knows what they are they're gonna think i'm a maniac i can't do any of that like so funny because you say that all the time too yeah yeah since we moved in together yeah because like i'm used to a lot of alone time which it sounds like you were too Oh, i love alone time and it's like alone time is when i get to really be myself go look in the mirror make a bunch of faces answer questions nobody asked like I talk uh, to myself a lot talk to myself like yeah. a lunatic that's where a lot of material comes from and things like that now you have this other person in the house and you're like oh i kind of not you don't have to be on but you can't fully be yourself you're like 
why am I not naked right now? Like, what, what, which I still do, but yeah, of course. Uh, do but, your house, come but on. that level of comfortability mm-hmm. where uh, I didn't grow up in a household with a ton of people. Sounds like maybe you didn't either. Like, no, just me and my brother, but he was four years older. Yeah. So a lot of alone time and then now trying to adjust to a full house uh, is, man, what a leap. Luckily, she's crazier. She's as crazy as I am and funnier than I am. So like, <laughs> that helps. Honest to God, like, yes, I, I'm the comedian I get paid to do. But no, she's legitimately funnier than me. And Good. so like she knows how to break any kind of ice necessary and she just she knows how to push the kids buttons in the right way and then she also she's teaching me how to be a parent like i have my thing is patience i don't i'm learning patience like i don't know how to be creative as a parent i don't know how to teach a lesson two weeks down the road it's like no if i don't teach you this lesson now i'm gonna forget it or if i don't if i don't tell you something now i'm gonna forget about it she's like she knows how to be patient and map it out and plan it and then hit him with the dagger like a week later i'm strategic. like this is too much i yeah. don't know how to do this strategic parenting yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i didn't grow up with strategic parenting i grew up with very sweet until you do something wrong. Ah! And then you're like, I'm sorry. And you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think I had that either. Yeah, that's that's a good, she's killing it then. And yeah. that's a good mentor for you to have too as far as how to become, you know, a proper stepdad. I mean, I'm kind of the fourth child, but yeah, technically. <laughs> on my taxes. You're the oldest child. On my taxes, they are, yes, <laughs> dependents. But yes. <laughs> it's a, man, it's a process. That's why she convinced me to shoot the special. She's like, you have all this stuff. You got to go film shoot something. It. Yeah. So we did it. And it's well worth it. Uh, Saudi stepdad, go check it out. How are we doing on time, Tom? 55. 55? Hey. All right. Is there anything, a uh, podcast, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, if you like silly podcasts that are very sophomoric, uh, I do a podcast called The Cafeteria with Ryan E. Miller and Brent Terhune, two other hilarious comics. We do it every week. Other than that, yeah, Jay Quasto on the socials, my specials for free on YouTube. And uh, this was fun, man. To Good. Sit in this comfy chair. Yes. In front of your forehead. And yeah, a lot of forehead. You know, we had notes to make the forehead smaller. And my wife is like, that's funnier, bigger. Yeah. And it's more I real life. I used to be a caricature artist, so I would exaggerate everything. Wait, you drew this? I, d- I finished it off. Yeah. Wow. We had an artist start it. And then we were going back and forth on changes. And my wife is an artist, former caricature artist at a theme park. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. And what, uh, hasn't, what hasn't she done? What haven't you done? <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> you talk about jack of trades. My goodness. Jill of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do love the uh, Wonderland in Toronto is where you were a caricature artist. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you weren't great at it at first. Like, oh, I was so bad. Yeah. you would so bad. But all the other artists would tell me like, oh, you just got to keep doing it. You'll get better. And I remember the first few I did, I felt so bad for charging these people money. <laughs> and you could so I feel tell, with stand up. <laughs> you could tell that they were just being nice and they didn't want to buy. I'm like, oh, you don't have to buy this. They they still bought it, but Aww. I got better over time. Yeah. 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 So she finished this off and she goes, "Listen, I know enough about caricatures." And honestly, I don't even know if that's a caricature of my forehead because I have a giant Eastern European forehead. <laughs> well, so what I like about this is it. It's done in a way that where if you if this guy here on this screen sat down on the couch with Beavis and Butthead, you would fit right in. Yes, oh, yeah, that's that, true. that is yeah. it. Then that's what I was going for because that yeah. style of uh, animation or artistry. What band whatever. would you? Well, dumb question. I was gonna say Metallica. What Wait a minute. What did what did they wear? AC/DC? They wore ACDC and Metallica, so. and then Stewart wore uh, Winger. That. <laughs> That's Which right, was my Winger. favorite. Coming in with oh. a Winger, and he was always the outcast. So but. you'd be rocking a Metallica T-shirt, okay? 
all the way through. I'd be a Faith No More t-shirt. Ooh. Yeah, Angel oh. Dust album. Boom. All right. A little deeper cut there. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow Johnny LaCuasso on all the socials. Check out his special. Don't forget to get a Safe Journal. Safejournal.co. Promo code Zoltan, 25% off. And we mail them ourselves. And if you use the discount code, Emma has made, been making me do handwritten notes to all of you to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And I hope you can read my handwriting. I have such bad handwriting. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's like my hand, it's like I'm getting over a hand injury. Like my hand was run over by the train and I'm having to reuse my fingers. I haven't written since school and I'm over there trying to write. I'm like, how do you, how do you, which way do B's go? Because I'll, I'll mess up B's and D's and I then I'll scratch cute, them. Though. They get the journal, they're like, oh, look, Zoltan had his nephew write us a no. Zoltan wrote this with a pen in his mouth. I, he apparently was handcuffed, tied <laughs> he, he to a chair. He might left-footed the notes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, use the promo code. I'll send. I'll send you a special oh, yeah, thank you letter. Oh yeah, this was a thing. We got. I got two comments, and they're like, we can't find safejournal.com. We don't have safejournal.com because some Nazi on the internet wants ten thousand dollars for a, a, <sighs> a stupid domain. We don't have ten grand to throw at a domain, so we have safejournal.co. Co. Remember, just type co, and we'll come right up, and eventually we'll Google will learn, and we'll pop to the top. But thank you for all your support in the meantime and in between time. Until next time, I've been Zoltan Cassis, and that is the best ending to a podcast I've ever done. Cheers, everybody. Trekking heavier, traveling light. There's one thing that's right wherever I go. That's where I am.